Hello and welcome to the Graveyard Shift, the weekly horror podcast where we take listener and guest suggested movies and break them down into the good, the bad, and anything else we find fun and or relevant. My name is Mike and I never work the Graveyard Shift alone. Please say hello to the woman who knows better than pulling the mask off a killer, Heather. Hey guys, it's Heather. Yeah, I would have kept his fucking mask on. Keep it on forever. (laughs) Forever. Do you hear me? Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) And what movie are we talking about? Well, today's episode is Pull My Chaney. Because we watched Phantom of the Opera, 1925. I can't stop laughing. I'm so sorry. The Phantom of the Opera. I watched the 1929 one that was in color. So just saying. Yeah, there, <laughs> they, there wasn't a color release for a while. This was a colorized version of yes. the 19... Oh, we'll get into the <laughs> specifics later because it, it's a mess. And yes. it's not just the movie. Everything about... Inside and outside the movie is a mess. But we'll get there. Gotcha. First, the stats. This was directed by Rupert Julian. And uh, uncredited direction, Lon Chaney, Ernst Lemel, and Edward Sedgwick. Screenplay, uh, uncredited, Walter Anthony, Elliot J. Clausen, Bernard McConville, Frank M. McCormick, Tom Reed, Raymond L. Schrock, Jasper Spearing, and Richard Wallace. You know, when there's nine writers, you know you're going to get a a cogent product with a singular creative vision. Yeah, we'll go with that. Based on The Phantom of the Opera by Gaston Leroux, produced by Carl Lamel. Cinematography by Milton Brydenbecker, Virgil Miller, and Charles Van Enger. Edited by Edward Curtis, Maurice Pivar, Gilmore Walker, and Louis Weber. With music by Gustav Heinrichs. Maybe. <laughs> Produced by Jewel Productions. Distributed by Universal. Released September 6, 1925 in New York. And November 15, 1925 in the rest of the USA. This has a runtime of 107 minutes in the original cut, and the Eastman House print has a runtime of 93 minutes. Mm -hmm. So that means somewhere there was a 14, there was a version of this that was 14 minutes longer. Nope. Nope. I need to keep my life. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, the production, from what I was able to gather, was nearly $1 million. uh, I was choked. Yeah. Including Ooh. fifty grand spent on retakes, oh. and it had a box office of two million dollars. At least the first time I didn't bother checking the other release. Yeah, but this would have been back when. Are you talking about in the nineteen twenties? Yeah, that's a lot of fucking money then. It's yeah, <laughs> like Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Oh. Yep, starring Lon Chaney as the Phantom. Mary Philbin as Christine Day. Norman Carey as Vicomte Raoul de Chagny. Arthur Edmund Carew as Ledoux. Gibson Golan as Simon Bouquet. John St. Paulus, credited as John St. Paulus as Comte Philippe de Chagny. And Virginia Pearson as Carlotta. And a special note, uh, Pearson played Carlotta's mother... In the reshoot segment of the 1930 Partial Talkie reissue, uh, 
and Mary Fabian played a talking Carlotta in the reshoots of the 1930 partial talkie reissue. And then there was a bunch of uncredited uh, actors. Uh, Bernard Siegel as Joseph Bouquet, Edward Martindale as Comte Philippe de Chagny for the reshoots of the 30s, Joseph Belmont as a stage manager, Alexander Bavani as Mephistopheles, Edward Cecil as Faust, Ruth Clifford as Ballerina, Rory Coulson as the Jester, and a shit ton of others, and uh, Carla Lamel, if the name Lamel sounds familiar, she played Meg Jerry, one of the uh, the youngest girls, and one of the uh, oldest surviving uh, cast members of the movie, and oldest, like, the longest to survive, not still surviving now, of course. Yeah, yeah, she's probably pretty dead. Yeah. And then there was a bunch of others, but I don't want to talk about them. I don't know why I put the notes down. I just got tired of talking about it. So this has a Rotten Tomato score of 90%. Oh my fucking God. What the fuck did I say earlier? What did I say? (laughs) I fucking knew it. I'm surprised it's not 250, actually. You people, y'all need to get a laugh. Some This Mm -mm. This is why we need to get the graveyard shift as a official Rotten Tomatoes critic. We need to get those fucking ratings up, people. Get them. I, I, I'm, I'm pointing out the shows. Mm-hmm. We need you to spread the word. Get listeners. Get ratings. Once we get enough ratings, we can become a legitimate Rotten Tomatoes critic. We can fix these scores. Well, if they spread, if they spread the word like they apparently spread their legs on the fucking rating of this movie, you're in, man. You're in. <laughs> like you're, you're legit. Oh, I am. I just, the, the only thing keeping me from getting in is I need to have a, 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 a large amount of ratings okay. on the uh, on the show. So the one thing I need, I cannot do myself without being exceptionally illegal. I got you. You need people, we, we need people to get out there and rate and, and do something other than give uh, ratings to movies like this. Yeah, we yes. need to spread our legs to get some listeners. <laughs> A lot more fun than watching this movie, you guys. Let me just tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the whole point of this movie and the subsequent movies is because this month is in sepia. No one can hear you scream. Mm. This was one of those uh, those pun month titles that I came up with when we first started doing the graveyard shift. Yep. And I was just thinking this has got to be like we got to give credit to the great granddaddies of horror, like the ones that dare to be first, mm-hmm. the ones that dared to scare even before black and white was possible. Like the, these preceded the scream queens of like King Kong. They preceded screams themselves. I did. Yeah, there was no actual screaming. I did internally, but that doesn't count. <laughs> because the silent films were the product of fledgling studios and at the time independent artists uh, that paved the way for horror as a cinematic experience because that was still in its infancy and it it still has some struggles today whether it's in representation or just competence yeah we wanted to give credit to those that that came first and as for why we chose The Phantom to begin with, and not uh, most of the other movies, which actually came out earlier, mm-hmm. there's a reason. Okay. And there's a reason that this movie has significance, 
and we will get to it later. First, we'll talk about how this came to be. Because, oh, there's some trivia on this. I bet there is. In 1922, Carl Lamel, the president of Universal Pictures, took a vacation to Paris. During his vacation, he met the author Gaston Leroux, who was working in the French film industry. Lamel mentioned to Leroux that he admired the Paris Opera House. So Leroux was just like, oh, monsieur, funny you should say that. <laughs> and he gave him a copy of his 1910 novel, The Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Lamel read the book in one night and bought the film rights the next day. Damn. And he already had Lon Chaney in mind. Production was scheduled for late 1924 at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. Now, this screenplay got chewed over and over like cud. The screen. Now, remember when we saw like nine different uh, writers yeah. on this thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a story. And you're, we're going to hear it. <laughs> the screenplay was written by Elliot J. Clausen, who worked as the scenario writer of the director, Rupert Julian, since 1916. His first script was a close adaptation of the novel, and it included scenes from the novel that did not appear in the released film, such as the Phantom summoning Christine to her father's graveyard in Brittany, where he poses as the Angel of Music and plays the resurrection of Lazarus on his violin at midnight. The scene was filmed, but it was cut out after uh, Rupert Julian left the project. And inspired by the novel, he added a lengthy flashback to Persia, where Eric the Phantom worked as a conjurer and executioner in the court of a depraved sultana, using his lasso to strangle prisoners. Falling from her favor, Eric was condemned to be eaten alive by ants. Wow. This this was a different movie when it was first first Uh, made. Yes, already, already better. I mean, like being a fucking mad executioner for a, yeah. a sultaness. Wow. And he was rescued by the Persian, the sultana's chief of police, who became Ledoux in the final version of the film. But not before the ants had consumed most of his face. <laughs> so that's how his face got like that. Yeah. He was eaten by ants. That's, that's, that's fucking savage. That's so much better. That's more interesting. Also, fun fact, I'm allergic to ants, specifically fire ants. So I would have been D.E.D. dead probably before they ate my face off. <laughs> like wow, Thomas how can you, J. How, how can you be alert? Are you allergic to like fomic acid or hydrochloric acid or what? Oh, I don't know. I just know I am because I got bit one time. It was years ago. I got bit on my um, ankle by a fire ant. And it was the most disgusting thing that happened. It was like this huge, I don't even want to know what you would call it, like a cyst thing. And then I go to the emergency room because I'm like, all right, bro, this is not going away. And the doctor's like, you're pretty allergic to, you know, this. Found out it was fire ants, though, because we found them in our house. They're like, apparently they got into our home. I don't know. But, yeah, it was bad. Like, they had to uh, lance it. Is that what you yeah. It was bad. <laughs> Ouch. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you think acid's already bad enough because, you know, it's acid. Yeah. It hurt. It was pretty bad. I think I even have a scar from when, whenever they, yep, I do a small scar from whenever they had to kind of cut it. It was just terrible. That and I'm allergic to wasp. So I am like <laughs> Thomas J, kind of. Allergic to pain. It hurts. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. 
So the flashback was eliminated during subsequent story conferences, possibly for budgetary reasons. Instead, a line of dialogue was inserted to explain that Eric was the chief torturer and inquisitor during the Paris Commune, when the opera served as a prison. And the studio considered the novel's ending too low-key. But Clausen's third revised script retained a scene of Christine giving the fandom a compassionate kiss. He is profoundly shaken and moans, even my own mother would never kiss me. A mob approaches led by Simon, the brother of a stagehand murdered by the Phantom. Eric flees the opera house with Christine. He takes over a coach, which overturns thanks to his reckless driving, and then escapes the mob by scaling a bridge with his strangler's lasso. Waiting for him at the top is Simon, who cuts the lasso. The Phantom suffers a deadly fall. His last, his dying words were, all I wanted was to have a wife like anyone else and to take her out on Sundays. You know, just it, all he had to do is just say, "All I wanted was a wife." Yeah, and you could have ended there, but be like, "I wanted a woman that I could only spend time with once a week." Yeah, j- just on Sundays. That's it. Like, what the fuck? Oh god. Uh, the studio remained dissatisfied. Yeah, because that ending was fucking nerfed. In a revised, another revised ending, Eric and Christine flee the mob and take refuge in her house. Before entering, Eric cringes as Satan before the cross. Inside her rooms, he is overcome and says he is dying. He asks if she will kiss him and proposes to give her a wedding ring so Christine can give it to Raoul. Mm-hmm. The Persian, Simon, and Raoul burst into the house. Christine tells them Eric is ill and he slumps dead to the floor. So, he, he isn't even murdered. Mm-mm. He just goes into her house and fucking dies. I feel that, though. Like, some people's houses, if you walk into them and you're like, you did not clean your house, I want to die. So that could be (laughs) relevant for me. I mean, I wouldn't just slump over and pass out. But at the same time, I kind of feel that. Like, clean your shit. So it sends, as he slumps to the floor, it sends the wedding ring rolling across the carpet. Christine sobs and flees to the garden. Raul follows to console her. So they just leave his, his fucking... Dead corpse, like, so this guy had a fatal case of the vapors. (laughs) They didn't give a fuck, for real. (laughs) Production began in mid-October and did not go smoothly. Oh, you think? (laughs) We had had eight writers, what could go wrong? I know, right? So, according to the director of photography, Charles Van Anger, Chaney and the rest of the cast and crew had strained relations with director Rupert Julian. Eventually, the star and director even stopped talking. Oh, that's not good. (laughs) So, Van Anger served as a go-between. He would report Julian's directions to Cheney, who responded, Tell him to go to hell. As Van Anger remembered, Lon did whatever he wanted. Yeah. Rupert Julian become... And the reason he was the director was because he became their golden boy. Because he completed a previous film, The Merry-Go-Round, 1923, close to the budget. And uh, he did it after the original director was fired, so he was their big hero. But while on the set of The Phantom of the Opera, his directorial mediocrity was obvious to the crew. So according to Van Anger, Julian wanted the screen to go to black after the chandelier fell on the opera audience. You know, because the lights went out. Van, Van Anger's just like, but the film audience won't be able to see it. So he ignored him, and he lit the set with a soft glow so that, the, so that you know, the aftermath would be visible to the film audience. I mean, this, this motherfucker wanted to actually <laughs> film shit in the dark. It's, 
So, <laughs> the ending changed yet again during filming. The scripted chase scene through Paris was discarded in favor of an unscripted and more intimate finale. To save Raul, Christine agrees to wed Eric and she kisses his forehead. He is overcome by her purity and his own ugliness. The mob enters his lair under the opera house only to find the phantom slumped dead over his organ where he had been complaining where he had been playing his composition Don Juan Triumphant. So, death kisses. That was one of the possible endings to this movie. He just So twice he is killed just by shown consideration and kindness. Mm-hmm. He, he sounds like the fucking villain in a Care Bears movie. Right, so... Oh, Ernest! Fucking Ernest scared stupid! Yep. That villain was killed with a kiss. Yeah. I'd rather die by a kiss than what the way that this ended, well, what we saw. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm gonna be honest. I... I have no idea. I had to look it up. Man, th- that's that's even dumber than like Superman's uh, roofie kisses from Superman 2. Oh god, I haven't seen that movie. Oh shit. I don't even know how long. Yeah, cuz Lois Lane finds out his identity. Yeah. And at yeah. the at the end of the movie, he gives her roofie kisses. <laughs> like this is, it's like whoever made this movie just thought, Superman, I remember reading those comics. Remember when Superman was magic and he could erase women's minds? And I'm like, dude, were, were you on Reefer when, when you read your Superman comics? <laughs> he, he, can't throw, he can't throw his logo at people like a fucking saran wrap shield. He can't run around the planet sp- reversing time. And he can't wipe people's minds with kisses. Like, Christopher Reeve, great actor, definitely looks like Clark Kent, and does a competent job with what he's given. But whoever wrote that movie was on fucking crack. Something's not okay. Like, Superman's a date rapist, okay? He has the the power to erase women's memories with a kiss. Like, (laughs) you, you don't see how that might come off as sketchy. He's supposed to be wholesome. So wait, if if I get a kiss, then my memory will be erased from watching this film? <laughs> Is that all I have to do? Okay, you bet. You just need bet. to find an alien willing to pucker, willing to plant one on you. Oh, I can find that. Believe me, it don't matter. I, I'll kiss my fucking pillow. I don't give a fuck. I'll kiss. I'll, I'll fucking kiss somebody's toes. Like, come on. If it means I can erase this. Oh, after I have the glass of wine, then I'm fine. Usually I'm like, <laughs> I never remember anyway, so it's Well, fine. It, it, it's spring and you live in Louisiana, so yes. you just have to go to the swamp and wait for the tadpoles to grow up and be like, hey, fellas. Who, who want, you don't? We don't have like, it's not like that. I think we had this discussion before and I felt like you were coming at my neck, my red neck, <laughs> right? And I'm like, we don't have a fucking swamp here, y'all. We ain't got that. No, we don't. Well, they we do have swamps, just not really where I live in the northern part of Louisiana. So, uh, continue. <laughs> well, you were, well. Let's just say you wouldn't have to drive far to find some frogs. No, I can I can go outside to find those because they actually hippity hop 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 out the front of my door, and I'm like, uh, Mr. Frog, hello, my baby. No, get out of here. <laughs> Like, get out of here. I'm scared of frogs, Mike, actually. That's the truth. I am actually really afraid of frogs. Not joking. I hate them. 
They don't even have teeth. I do not give a fucking shit. I saw that frog that was standing. He was standing there staring at me when I opened the door. Jumped over my foot. I was like, I've had enough. I've had enough. This is how I go. I'm not okay with it. Anyways, we're not going to talk about frogs. <laughs> but I'm just saying I hate them. I don't like creatures and things. <laughs> so, by mid-November 1924, the majority of Cheney's scenes had been filmed. Principal photography was completed just before the end of the year with 350,000 feet of negative exposed. And the editor, Gilmore Walker, assembled a rough cut. Holy fuck. (laughs) You know how long? Just take a wild guess how long the original movie was. Okay. Let's see. We had two different times so far. Uh, Let's do like three hours, maybe? Four. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm Someone made a four-hour version of this. My pits what are hot. What the fuck would that even entail? I do, what the, do you do? I don't even know what they did for the hour and 30 something that this that we watched. <laughs> what? Did they actually play like the fucking operas in their entirety? Two operas in this movie? I mean, I've never been to an opera. Like, I always thought I would want to see one just because from other movies, they look really elegant. They look like, oh, it's, I don't know, emotional or something. But um, if this is how the opera is, fuck no. I I saw the Phantom of the Opera performed. I've never seen, well, I've never seen any operas performed, so I don't know. I enjoyed it. I I, I was a kid, actually. uh, We actually went to the National Arts Center, Mm -hmm. which is like the... uh, the Opera House in Ottawa, mm-hmm. and it, uh, our grade, I think it was grade six or five, I'm pretty sure I was in uh, elementary at the time, and uh, we went there, we saw the Phantom of the Opera performed, it was a fun time, I remember one of the uh, the special effects was a fireball that seemed to like go throughout the entire audience because I remember as soon as it like flashed and I saw like the fire coming towards me I, I was in a sweat I was just like ah that was in like that was an effect I, I was just like oh wow th- this is some good prop work whatever they did because yeah. that fireball was fucking massive well I mean maybe seeing it when you were a kid or watching watching more of a modern day I guess like version of it I don't know Oh, this, like, this, I mean, this phantom, it had the scene where they're in the graveyard, and the phantom is actually has this staff, and he's shooting fireballs. And I was just like, my mind was blown as a kid. Like, this was just fun. And, uh, uh, I mean, the Andrew Lloyd Webber's soundtrack uh, mm-hmm. is still pretty damn awesome. I don't so, know anything about that. You never listened to it? I don't think so, no. Ah. You know, I'm not sophisticated. We know this by now. How long have I been (laughs) podcasting with you? It's, like, the the Andrew Lloyd Webber version is pretty, it's pretty, it it is leagues better than this. Possibly because when there's, like, sound, there's, like, sound, that's a start, and the music is pretty fucking banging. See, this is the thing. I can get down with, like, and I don't know if this would be categorized as classical music. I'm not really for sure what the category is for it. But, like, I can get down with some classical fucking shit now. I mean, I'm like, you know, like, I can get down with it. I'm like, fuck yeah. But I 
I don't know that composer or whatever, or artist, whatever you want to call them. So I don't know for sure if that's something I would like listening to. Well, the thing with Andrew Lloyd Webber is that it wasn't, it was like a mix of classical music and uh, like hard rock. So okay. you got like an organ like dun 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 dun. Well, you got like some drums like do 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 do. So it's like a it's it's a very bombastic blend of old okay. and new, and it's uh, I I really enjoyed the Andrew Lloyd Webber take on uh, on Phantom. It is a a completely separate animal than this. Yeah, I, I it's a. Uh, it, I, I mean, I I say it's much better, and yeah. uh, I, I'm not gonna. Vo- I'm not like an Andrew Lloyd Webber stand because you know mm-hmm. cats is fucking trash. Mm-hmm. I've heard and, a lot I, of bad shit about that. That is not good. And I mean, the premise is cats are like fighting for the right to die. Like it, that. That's how fucking depressing it is. Yeah, that's. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to see. They that. all want to be reincarnated, and I'm like. Really? Because you're putting on all these songs about how fucking great it is to be you, and yet you want to die and be someone else. Yeah, I don't get, I like, I, I don't, like I said, musicals and theater type stuff, I typically don't watch unless it's like Grease. <laughs> I'm for <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I, I'm not a big musical guy, like, I like the, but there are like some exceptions, like uh, yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, yeah, that's like a fun, like, you have to see that one in your life. So, that one's yeah. fun, though. Yeah, and I'd say Phantom for a uh, for something that's not campy, at mm-hmm. least from my understanding, it's an enjoyable experience, and the music really carries it. Yeah, like it is, like when there's songs that are describing what's going on or carrying the spirit of the scenes, it's good. Yeah, like to me, like like ninety percent of the musicals I've heard. It's like, why are these songs even here? What are you trying to to, yeah. to get at here? It's they don't like go with the you flight. just need to fill time. You're yeah. not. But Phantom, it uh, it it's 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 a. It, I found it to be a very enjoyable spectacle, mm-hmm. and the opening theme is good. I don't like. <laughs> funny enough, I uh, not there wasn't there didn't seem to be like a lot of love for the uh, 2004 uh, version with Gerard Butler as the Phantom. Oh my God! Oh Lord Jesus! He was in that. Yeah, I think he was the Phantom, oh, well, or maybe he fought the Phantom. I need to see that. I didn't know. Oh yeah. That changes everything for me. Now I might have to sit through that shit. <laughs> I like him. He's cute. But I mean, like as the Phantom, like is he going to look like as hideous, obviously, as this Phantom does? That's the whole point. But I don't know. I think he still looked real good. I'm gonna look that shit up. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> I want. I'm curious. Uh, I didn't know. Well, still, also try to find uh, like a performance of the uh, of the Phantom. I think there was like a, a movie version of the stage play. It, it was fun times. Oh, you're right. He was in 2004. He plays the Phantom. Mm. Patrick Wilson's in it too as Raúl. Oh, 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 oh. Mm. Heather gonna watch that. Le yum. <laughs> <laughs> wee wee. I'm gonna watch that shit probably. I just I'm just curious to see what they're like how they do it in 2004. Just saying. Yeah. So, uh, no information about the original score survives other than Universal's release. Mm-hmm. Presented with augmented concert orchestra, playing the score composed 
composed by J. Carl Briel, composer of music for The Birth of a Nation. Now, what do you know about Birth of a Nation, Heather? What do I know about Birth of a Nation? I don't. Okay. No. Well, no. Well, if you listen to the Black History Month episode, we talk about Birth of a Nation because mm-hmm. this movie, made in 1915, basically celebrated and is responsible for the revival of the KKK. Because the poster for this shows a Klansman on a horse, both wearing the white robes, including even the horse. And it's talking about uh, preserving American values from the carpetbaggers and the slaves who uh, are now trying to think they own the place. And it shows like black people, which of course, like black people wouldn't be doing this in the movie. So it's white people in black face Mm -hmm. acting like slaves. Uh, raping white women and, mm-hmm. uh, like, taking handouts from the government. I don't like that. I, I'm not, no. I'm not Oh, it's that. vile. And you know what? This was, like, one of the, f- this was the first American blockbuster. People could not fucking get enough of that movie. And that's why, for Black History Month, I called it the first black horror movie. Which one was that? Birth of a Nation, 1915. And funny enough, uh, the guy who did that music, J. Carl Briel, uh, yeah, J. Carl Briel, mm-hmm. I don't know if he has a history of racism or if he just like, he, they just said like, give us a soundtrack and he did. And then it came up with that and, and I don't know what he thought about it, but yeah, it's, uh, so he did the original score for Phantom, but they didn't bother keeping it. Yeah. And, uh, that birth of a nation, like. If you just listen to the Black History Month episode where we talk about it, because God damn that movie. I had and, listened to, I think, I thought I had listened to all of them, but I don't recall that one. It was in the first episode because okay, we set the stage that. for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'll go back and listen. And funny enough, the music from Birth of a Nation was used for the Amos and Andy TV show in the 50s, which was like a, a sitcom with black actors in it. Yeah. And, and I was just like, can America be less America? No. Because you have a black sitcom, like, based off a radio play, and you have a white supremacist basic anthem as the black person's intro music. Horrible. I don't like that. I don't, you know like, how I feel about racist stuff. I don't the, like that. You say, like, oh, don't get political. Yeah. History is political. Mm-hmm. It just is. I mean, like, you think, how is a sitcom political? Even its fucking introduction is political because they oh, just yeah. thought, can we put a little bit of white supremacy in this show about black people just so that, you know, we are represented? You know, because both sides. We need to show black people, but we also want white people to, to, to feel like, you know, we can watch them, but, you know, we're still in charge. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> So moving on to something slightly less depressing, this movie. Now, the New York premiere was canceled and the film was rushed back into production with a script that focused on Christine's love life. Yeah, because she's the interesting part of this movie. I would say so. It was unknown whether Rupert Julian walked away from the production or was fired. Either way, his involvement ended. So to salvage the film, Universal called upon the journeyman of its Hoot Gibson Western unit. Uh, That, just those four words together. 
Hoot Gibson Western Unit. Right? Like a fucking goofy Western porno. Oh, God. Check out my Western Unit. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> so, who worked... Uh, so, the guy worked cheaply. And Edward Sedgwick, the, uh, the later the director of Buster Keaton's 1928 film The Cameraman, was then assigned to producer Lamel to direct a reshoot of the bulk of the film. Raymond L. Schrock and original screenwriter Elliot Clausen wrote new scenes at request. The film was changed from the dramatic filler that was originally made into more of a romantic comedy with action elements. Most of the scenes depicted added subplots with Chester Conklin and Vola Vale as comedic relief to the heroes, and Ward Crane as the Russian Count Ruboff, dueling with Raoul for Christine's affection. This version premiered in April 26, 1925 in San Francisco and was booed off screen by the audience. Can't imagine. One reviewer stated the story drags to the point of nauseam. So... Before its actual premiere of the product we got, it already had premiered twice to disastrous effect. Hmm. That's so, so crazy. When we're bitching about this, when we bitch about this movie, <laughs> it was poison from the get-go. I believe that, like 100%. The third and fi- the third and final now we know why there's so many producers, writers, and directors on exactly. this. Exactly. Yes. The third and final version resulted from Universal Holdovers, Maurice Pavar, and Lois Weber editing the production down to nine reels from its original 12. Most of the Sedgwick material was removed except for the ending, where the Phantom, where the Phantom is chased by the mob and thrown into the Seine. Mm-hmm. Much of the cut Julian material was edited back into the picture, though some important scenes and characters were not restored. This version containing material from the 24 shoots... And from the Sedgwick recording was then scheduled for release, debuting September 6, 1925 at the Astor Theater in New York. It premiered October 17th in Hollywood. The score for the Astor opening was to be composed by Professor Gustav Henrichs. However, Henrichs' score was not prepared in time. So the premiere featured a score by Eugene Conte composed mainly of French airs, in quotes. Which I guess if you know music, you probably get what that is. It, it's probably just like tinkling with the piano so mm-hmm. it sounds like vaguely French. Yeah, yeah. And the appropriate cues from Faust. And no expense was spared at the premiere. The Astor Theater, they used a full fucking orchestra for their music. So they didn't use the music from Birth of a Nation. So, you know, yay for that. Uh, following the success of The Hunchback of Notre Dame in 1923, Cheney was once again given the freedom to create his own makeup, mm-hmm. a practice that became almost as famous as the films he starred in. And Cheney commented in The Phantom of the Opera, People exclaimed at my weird makeup. I achieved the death's head of that role without wearing a mask. That's right. None of that shit was masks with Cheney. Oh, wow. I mean, that's pretty yep. cool, I guess. I mean, considering how ugly he was. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. And it was the right use of paints in proper shades and in the right places, not the obvious parts of the face, mm-hmm. that give the complete illusion of horror. Because to him, it was all a matter of combining paints and light. Yeah. And he used a color illustration of the novel by Andre Castain as his model for the Phantom's appearance. And he, st- he raised the contours of his cheekbones by stuffing wadding in his cheeks. He used a skull cap to raise his forehead several inches higher and accentuate the bald dome of the phantom's skull. 
Pencil lines masked the join of the skull cap and exaggerated his brow lines. Cheney then glued his ears to his head and painted his eye sockets black, adding white highlights under his eyes for a skeletal effect. He even achieved the skeletal rotted smile by attaching prongs to a set of rotted false teeth and coating his lips with grease paint. To transform his nose, Cheney applied putty to sharpen its angle and inserted two loops of wire into his nostrils. Guide wires... Hidden under the putty, pulled his nostrils upward. And uh, he suffered from this. Especially the wires, which made him bleed like hell. Yeah, he so did this the man, most, though. He did a lot to, oh, look, he, to look like that. He carried this fucking movie. So, yeah. you know, what? whatever we're going to say about this movie is not directed at Lon Chaney. Like, you're going to hear a lot of love for this man. Because just hearing this man literally bled for this movie. Like, this is a fucking actor and makeup guy in one. Well, like, somebody this, had to carry it. He put in the fucking work. Yeah. And when audiences first saw the Phantom of the Opera, they were said to have screamed or fainted in the scene when the mask is revealed. Same. I did too. Revealing his skull-like features to the audience. I did. I fainted. <laughs> <laughs> you got struck. <laughs> yeah. Cheney's appearance as the Phantom has been the most accurate depiction of the title character based on the description in the novel, where the Phantom is, de- is described as having a skull-like face with a few wisps of hair on his head. As in the novel, Cheney's Phantom has been deformed since birth, rather than having acid or fire do the job, as in later adaptations. Yeah, yeah. See, that's what I thought, too. I guess because I have heard of other adaptations of it, and I was assuming that's what happened. Yeah, because there was uh, some talking versions, I think, from the 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. And they actually describe, like, they show what he looked like beforehand. And uh, yes. it was like a warehouse fire or an acid attack or something. Yeah, yeah. And I recall that the, uh, like, the, the 40 or 50s version was, was pretty okay. Like, it I remember seeing it and not, uh, was. <laughs> not having a problem. I think the talking helped and also not being written by any of these people. So, producer Carl Emel commissioned the construction of a set of the Paris Opera House because it would have to support literally hundreds of extras. This set became the first to be created with steel girders set in concrete. And this thing was so fucking sturdy, it was not dismantled until 2014. Damn, son. Stage 28 of the Universal Lot still contained portions of the Opera House set and was the world's oldest surviving structure built specifically for one movie at the time of its demolition. It had been used in hundreds of movies and television series. Mm-hmm. And it was finally demolished on September 23rd, mm-hmm. 2014. So for something lasting 90 fucking years. That's insane. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. Now, the reception. The initial critical response for the film was mixed. Uh, Mordant Hall of the New York Times gave the film a positive review as a spectacle feature, but felt that the story and acting could have been improved. Time praised the sets, but felt the picture was only pretty good. Yeah. And Variety said, Carrie is a colorless hero, 
Philbin contents herself with being pretty and being terrorized at the Phantom, and Cheney is either behind a mask or grimacing through his fiendish makeup. <laughs> now, there was a 1929 version of this, and it was... Well, why was there a remake? Mm -hmm. It was not really a remake. It was like a redo. Yeah, yeah. And the reason is thus. After the introduction of sound pictures in the 1928-1929 movie season, Universal announced that they had secured the rights to a sequel of The Phantom of the Opera. Entitled The Return of the Phantom, it would have sound and be in color. But they couldn't get Lon Chaney because he was now under contract at MGM. And then they decided to scrap the sequel idea and instead reissue The Phantom of the Opera with a new synchronized score and effects track, as well as new dialogue sequences. So the director Ernst Lamel and Frank McCormick reshot a little less than half of the original picture with sound during August of 1929. They reused uh, footage from the original film with music by Joseph Chernofsky and sound effects. Mary Philbin and Norman Carey reprised their roles for the sound reshoot, and Edward Martindale, George B. Williams, Philip Smalley, Ray Holderness, and Edward Davis were added to the cast to replace actors who were unavailable. So they filmed half a movie and just jammed it into the old one and just thought, yeah. it's a talkie now! Everybody's doing the Michigan rag! <laughs> this is still stupid. <laughs> oh, the, I wanted to go back to one point that you brought up, uh, brought up earlier where... You're like the audience, like they, you know, passed out from looking at the phantom's face once he, you know, took off the mask. And it really made me think about how, like, society now is so desensitized to, like, we watch shit that is so much more horrifying than this. And it's like most of it doesn't bother us, right? Yeah, we have to go for the existential horror, like, oh, shit, this could happen to us. Like, can you yeah. imagine being scared like that? Or? Well, it's just like the gore in general. Like, we watch stuff that's like Cannibal Holocaust and Saul, the Saul franchise, things like that. It's like, and hostile. It's like these people are being mutilated and tortured. And for a lot of us, it doesn't really, feel like, we're not like, oh, my God, we're going to pass out. Yeah, Me, I'm are, just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, people are fainting because fucking Frankenstein looked at the camera and... I mean, he looked like a fucking pig. Wink, wink. That's what he looked like to me. I wasn't scared. I was just like, oh, Lord Jesus, he ugly. U-G-L-Y. <laughs> it just shows how much, how in, in a century, how far yeah. movies have come. That that's too. That's why I want to do this thing, because, like, we we've loved horror for all of our lives, but... You know, it's, uh, you know, everything everything has a start. Yep. And uh, they said <laughs> they weren't able to loop Cheney's dialogue because mm -hmm. he was under contract. So another character was introduced as a messenger for the Phantom. Only because Cheney's talkie debut was eagerly anticipated, the advertisers had to emphasize Lon Cheney's portrayal is a silent one. So they were basically trying to pretend, oh yeah, he read it, like, we're redoing this movie, but he's just saying nothing again. This yeah. is a creative choice. Now, the sound version of The Phantom of the Opera opened on February 16, 1930, and grossed another million dollars. However, you'll never see that version, because it was lost in a fire in 1948, although the soundtrack discs survived. 
And the success of The Phantom of the Opera inspired Universal to finance the production of other horror films, starting with Dracula, 1931, Frankenstein, 1931, The Mummy, 1932, The Invisible Man, 1933, still holds up. That one's good. Yeah. And it was directed, and as we discussed it for Pride Month, it was directed by an openly gay man in the 30s. So that's pretty fucking sweet. That's That's pretty pretty significant. Yeah. And we got The Wolfman, 1941. And they continued with numerous sequels to all five movies. So now we got to why I started with this movie. Mm -hmm. Because this film's importance to the horror genre cannot be understated. Universal only had the confidence to bring to life the classic monsters that our relatives, our ancestors grew up with. Mm-hmm. So horror as a genre only prospered because of the Universal Pictures giving us the original monsters. Dracula, Mummy, Invisible Man, Wolfman, Frankenstein's creature. Mm-hmm. All of these only came to be because of Phantom of the Opera existing and giving the studio the confidence that horror as a genre was viable. So that is why, even if for nothing else, just existing, we got the we got so much yeah. from this movie. So that's why we at the Graveyard Shift salute the Phantom of the Opera. It's while other films might inspire one monster or two. This inspired all of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's true. So I'm going to agree with you on that. That is true. Because without this, we wouldn't have the stuff that we have today. You know? So, like, that makes sense. But 10 out of 10. Yeah. This, yeah. This was, this was like the critical reaction. Yeah. That this was the first domino that, that gave us exactly. what we got. And we all have to start from somewhere. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know you're excited to get into this next part. <laughs> uh, there's just a little bit, just uh, uh, like a tiny bit of trivia left. Okay. Uh, the differences from the novel, mm-hmm. although this, this particular adaptation is considered to be the most faithful, it contains significant plot differences from the original. In the movie, Monsieur Debien and Pauligny transfer ownership of the opera to... Two other fucking guys, their names don't matter. While in the novel, they are simply the old and new managers. Mm. And the character of Ledoux, uh, like I sent you a picture of this guy. I called him like a stage queen because he's got like yes. painted lips on. And yeah. And the way he just looks sneering at everyone, like yeah. uh, who's the guy from Harry Potter that played Snape? Uh, oh, John you're Hurt? asking. You're William asking Hurt? the wrong motherfucker for that one. I didn't watch no. the Harry Potters. Hey, uh, Die Hard. Uh, oh, Die Hard. Oh, shit. Well, we're not talking about Bruce Willis, but... Um, oh, my God. You're, you Alan Rickman. The, yes, you put me on the spot for a second. I yeah. had to think about who else was in that. This yes. guy, <laughs> the way he side-eyes everyone in the movie, he's got yes. this Alan Rickman energy, yes. doesn't he? Yes, yes. I'm going to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, Die Hard's a really badass film, too. Just saying. Yeah. And, and the way he just, like, seemed like he was just, like, above everyone, the way he looked around, I just thought he was, like, a stage queen. Yeah, he's, like, snooty. He's like, mm, mm fuck you. Like, for real. <laughs> like, I'm getting those vibes. 
Yeah, he's he's like Uncle Deadly from the Muppets. Yeah. Like the the, the gay guy that just hangs around in the theater because it, it really would fall apart without him. Mm-hmm. But he's just he's got sass for everybody. <laughs> That's what he looked like. And ass for everybody too. Just saying. Apparently, he was fucking Persian. Hmm. I didn't. That would explain the hat. Yeah. But apparently, they just decided he was now a member of the uh, a French detective of the secret police. And, and this character change was not actually scripted. It was just made during the title card editing process. Oh, everyone's going to see me as the Persian. It's going to be fucking great. And then he sees the card <laughs> show up saying, I am Monsieur Ledoux, a member of the Le secret police. Yeah, right. And he's in the audience going like, Qu'est-ce que fuck? <laughs> Je ne sais pas le policier, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, God. And the Phantom has no longer studied in Persia. In his past, and he's not like uh, the queen's the the sultana's executioner yeah. or anything. Rather, he is an escapee from Devil's Island and an expert in the black art. <laughs> Fuck, okay, we're gonna fucking talk about that, but not okay. right now. Okay. And uh, as described in the production section of this, uh, the filmmakers originally intended to preserve the original ending of the novel and film scenes in which the Phantom dies of a broken heart at his organ after Christine leaves his lair. Mm -hmm. But because of the audience's poor reactions, you know, God bless this audience, because even then they were just like, he dies from sadness? Fuck you. Yeah. God, if only Star Wars knew, if only Star Wars took that lesson. (laughs) This... The studio decided to change the ending to a more exciting one. So, Edward Cedric was hired to provide a climactic chase scene with an ending in which the Phantom, after having saved Ledoux and Raoul, kidnaps Christine in Raoul's carriage, and he's hunted down and beaten to death by an angry mob. Mm-hmm. Uh, preservation has a story here, because there were many different versions I found online, and they were all quite different, and I found out why. And if this isn't your thing... Uh, you know, just bear in mind, I'm skipping quite a lot. But this does answer some questions. Like the original print, uh, the finest version of this exists from a camera negative that was struck in the 1950s. The original 1925 version survives only in 16mm show-at-home prints created by uh, Universal for home movie use in the 30s. So yeah, apparently before VHS came along, people still had home movies of uh of movies okay home videos uh there are several versions of these none of these are complete all are from the original domestic camera negative and because of the eastman house print many home video releases use that as the basis for their transfers this version has the singer mary fabian in the role of carlotta in the re-edited version it's referred to as carlotta's mother that's a fucking mystery now it's uncertain it's uncertain as for what purpose the negative used to strike the Eastman House print was produced because it shows footage from the 1930s sound release and shows little signs of wear or tear. But again, it's not uh it's got footage but not the actual soundtrack. It's uh and for unknown reasons, the opening prologue shows a man with a lantern mm-hmm. in the sewer. Now, you saw this and you're probably wondering who the fuck is that guy? We don't know. Nobody yeah. knows why. Yeah, because there were no title cards that survived to explain who the fuck that guy was. Yeah, there weren't very many title cards from what I remember watching. I was so confused. I'm just... I don't know. Yeah. 
It says it, uh, it seems to have been from a talking sequence, but it shows up in the original 25 version, shorter and using a different close-up shot. And the opening title sequence, the Lantern Man, the footage of Mary Fabian performing as Carlotta, and Mary Philbin's opera performances are photographed at 24 frames per second, which is sound film speed. And therefore, shots, uh, they were shot after the movie's original release. Mm-hmm. It is possible that the Lantern Man is meant to be uh, Joseph Bouquet, but the brief remaining close-up footage of this man from the 1925 version does not appear to be the original player, Bernard Siegel. And the man who appears in the reshot footage could be a different actor as well, but there's no close-up of the man. So it's possible that this was an international sound version, or it's a silent version for theaters, which weren't equipped with sound in the 1930s, or it's a negative made for Universal Studios. The, the international sound versions were basically partial talkies, which were largely silent except for the musical sequences. Since the films include synchronized music and sound effect tracks, they could be advertised as sound pictures and capitalize on the talkie craze without the expense of reshooting scenes with dialogue. Mm-hmm. Just toss in title cards for the for just toss in title cards for the language that they uh, of the uh, or, uh, of the place it's aired in and throw in music. It's cheap, easy, and technically not silent. Ah, and as with many films of the time, uh, the black and white footage was tinted various colors to provide mood. These include amber for interior, blue for night scenes, green for mysterious moods, red for fire, and yellow for daylight exteriors. And the version we watched was uh, released by Moonflix, mm-hmm. which released a color version which uses their AI proprietary AI colorization methodology. Mm-hmm. That's the version we watched. And this film entered the public domain in 1953 because Universal did not renew the copyright. Now, let's get on with the fucking movie. Oh, thank you. God is in our holy temple. <laughs> let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Because whenever you just just wait, you're, you're going to be like, yeah. Heather, you're never coming back to the graveyard shift ever after this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it is. Well, whenever we do a special theme month, we always load in a lot of trivia. Mm -hmm. Whenever we do like uh, the first of a special theme month, but you know, it's just to provide context because all these things explain why this movie turned out the way it did. Yeah, like all these different factors, including some aspects which you know are just mysteries lost to time. But let's explain one thing. Let's let's make one thing real clear. Heather had nothing to do with the trivia. <laughs> let's just say that Mike did you're his a real sport. Homework. I'm a you're sport. A real, you're hey. a sport for enduring this. I know. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you. Right. Thank you so much. But like Mike did the fucking work. Heather is just like I'm here to bitch. That's what I'm bringing <laughs> to the table. <laughs> you're the Uncle Deadly. Of yeah, this, of this basically. episode. Yeah, You're basically. just sitting there with your wine like, very mm. nice, if only the movie was too. <laughs> oh, God. Thank God I didn't watch it twice anyways. <laughs> God, I miss Uncle Deadly. I fucking love him. He's like one of my favorite Muppets. I haven't seen like, Muppets in forever. Oh, my God. Like, it's you should so see... Yeah, definitely you should watch uh, the the one season series, The Muppets, from I think 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was basically like a combination of The Office oh, with, the Mu- with The Muppets. You know I'll love it then. <laughs> it was, I don't know why it didn't last 
so I don't know why it only lasted a season. I fucking loved it. It was hilarious. We get to see like the Muppets hanging out outside of the uh, the office doing like karaoke, and Swedish Chef is doing uh, the rapper's delight. Oh man, I I have to see this. You'll have to like link me up or whatever, and let me know because I have to watch that. <laughs> like I have to. Oh now. yeah, and, and Miss Piggy. Like we get to see like Miss Piggy hooking up with Josh Groban. And I don't mean, like, just, like, a make-out with him. Like, Kermit knocks on the door, and we see him, like, answer the door, and, like, she's in bed, like, come back, honey. She raised him up. (laughs) (laughs) So, he actually, like, 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 these Muppets fuck. Oh, my God. So nasty. I need to watch it. (laughs) It's great. And especially especially when Kermit and Piggy break up, Mm -hmm. and Kermit's dating, like, a younger, quote, hotter pig. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> it's basically like 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 a younger, hotter Miss Piggy, oh, and he looks at the camera and he goes like, "I know what you're thinking, and you're right. I like pigs." I'm a choke. I'm glad I wasn't drinking anything. <laughs> oh Lord, help me! <laughs> oh, and there's so many side jokes. It's it's really fucking. I I never laughed so hard. And Uncle Deadly is Miss Piggy's assistant. And God, he has got no time. He's got no time for her bullshit. While everyone else, <laughs> while everyone else like bows down to her because she's like the yeah. stage prima donna. Oh yeah. He's ju- he's just telling it like it is, and e- even if she doesn't like what he's saying, she'll be like, "What was that? <laughs> oh, nothing, dear. Would what you like that? another back rub?" <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to watch it. I it's just been forever. Obviously, I. You watch different shows than I do, but that sounds really funny. So I actually want to check that out or see if I can get it so I can watch it. Oh yeah, they even had like some poignant episodes. Like Miss Piggy gets like shamed for having her tail revealed. <laughs> it, it was basically like the Janet Jackson titty reveal. Oh, thing. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and she ended up like owning it afterwards. Like, yeah, I'm a pig. I have a tail. Okay, I'm not ashamed of it. And it turned out to be like like a female po- like a body positivity thing, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. all right, You're, they're using the tail as a metaphor. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I'm digging it. So, fun times. And now that the fun times are over, let's talk about the Phantom of the Opera 1925. Dun, da, da, da. So let's get on with the goods. We start with the goods. We start with me mm-hmm. and. Uh, I'm going to say on a technical level, the preservation on this film was incredible. It showed little to no signs of, of decay. Mm-hmm. Like the resolution was great. You'd think for a movie being that old that it would be, that it wouldn't survive as well as, as it yeah. did. But it, whether it was just like a digital remastering or mm-hmm. just like it was, it was preserved a long time ago, like the film stock was, was excellent. Okay, well, I am going, you're going to probably murder me, but I only have like one or two-ish goods for this, and um, I'm not going to say that I don't agree with you, because I get what you're going, like, I understand the fact that it was made in 1925, right? It was filmed mostly in twenty four. In twenty four, although okay. some was twenty five because it was like it went right? through three reshoots. It went through three reshoots. Okay, so. God ridiculous but i'll go into my first good and i'm gonna be honest with you 
I'm going to be honest to the listeners. I fucking did not like this movie. So when I tell you that I am going to be as nice as I possibly can, this is me being nice. So my first good is the fact that I got to watch it in a colored version. Like, if I had to watch this in black and white, Mike knows I would have hung myself outside the tree in my front yard. <laughs> like, I like this would have been some fucking, like, conjuring shit. I don't even know what would have happened. But honestly, I agree with your first good, but that's my first good is that I got to see somewhat of a colorized version of it. So for me, that helped. <laughs> that, that helped me suffer in silence. <laughs> that's basically what the film was right <laughs> i'm a i'm a purist i i clicked the link for the uh for the original version Ugh. which which it said it was but during the masquerade scene with the red death <sighs> fuckers are showing up in color i look i haven't and been like, pure since 1983 i have not been pure since 1983 when i was born okay so heather did not heather was like um, and then when you gave me the option, I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> I'll take the color. <laughs> color for 500. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so awful. Uh, my next good, uh, wherever they took the horse. I mean, that was fucking cold because I could see its breath. <laughs> so Sorry. I mean, if that was a stage, I don't know if they refrigerated it or if they <laughs> shot it in like December. Yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> like. You know, great job of being like, yeah, the sewers are cold, I guess. Question mark? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your next, uh, what's your final Uh, good? My final good. Okay. So with all the bitching, because we haven't even gotten into the bitching section. This is what I'm going to call it of the podcast. I actually thought the film had a lovely kind of like, let me say, aesthetically pleasing in the sense of, like, the time frame for it, right? It's the 1920s. So, again, that kind of falls into what you said earlier, your first good. But I did think it was really cool because I'm like, this is really, like, to me, cool and weird. It's like 1925, 24, 25, right? I'm like, they're people. And it just seems so, like, bizarre. There were people back then. It just seemed weird (laughs) to me. I'm sorry. I know that's stupid, but, like, at the same time, I'm like, these people were giving it their all, right? Because they they wanted to make a movie. And it's weird concept to me to think that somebody, people from then, it's like, oh, you're making a movie? I don't know why. That's, that's kind of a fucked up good and weird. <laughs> it is. It is what it is. I told Take you. Take what I'm you can get. pulling straws, okay? My straws have all been cut into tiny pieces. <laughs> so... <laughs> There you go. I just, there was something about it that was like, this is really cool. Like, in a way. Like, I can see why people maybe would watch it. But, um, you guys, that's kind of it for me. Unless Mike says something that triggers my memory. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) You know, while your suffering is funny and amusing, I, I, I do hope that the, that the next movies we watch will have more substance in them that you will uh, relate so. to and enjoy. I think so. I, I'm, but I'm sure some will. I just hope the next two do. So you're not just like praying for the end. <sighs> I be, I be praying for the end on my own podcast. Okay. So I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> no, it's a good time. It's a good time. We're chatting. We're having a good time. It's fine. It doesn't matter if I loved or like hated the movie that has nothing to really do with it. 
We're talking about it. Ah, well, as long as you have a good time. Exactly. So, I guess we'll blast through with my goods. Blast them. Lon Chaney with the handiwork. And his eyes through that mask. uh, It works great. Mm -hmm. Like, just... This guy can fucking act. It's not just a guy that they slapped some good makeup on. Yeah. He really acted out of this. And uh, especially the great work when, like, Christine puts it together that he's the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And he just recoils like, oh, she just figured it out after all these months. She is not <laughs> as smart as I was hoping. Right? <laughs> the realization, oh, she's a dum-dum. She kind of was, but I'm just saying. Uh, the face reveal, because that's its own separate thing. Like, both yes. in makeup <sighs> and the face. Mm-hmm. Like, just the shock of having his fa- of having his mask removed. And... Like just the way he he does like the the evil monkey from Family Guy yeah. by pointing at her, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the face which just says like you had one job, don't touch my mask, and you lasted a whole <laughs> four fucking minutes. It's I don't know I I do agree with you on the like the makeup effects the way that since we talked about that we know now that like he did everything like he put in the fucking work. He's the one that made himself so terrifying, quote unquote. Because, I mean, back then, who else would have done it? I don't, that was kind of cool that he did that, actually. Yeah. He was like the one constant good thing, which mm-hmm. we, we could have used a lot more of. Yes. And like the self-pity he had. It, yeah. It, it really like painted a picture of his character. Yeah. Although... Now that you we now that we understand the like the behind the scenes that we're looking at like one third or three characters layered all on top of each other because they yeah. all have different significance due to the different direction each one was given. Yeah. And Raul, I gotta say, he's the only decent fellow in this movie. <laughs> like, I'm I'm not talking about like characters. I just mean as a person. Yeah, and, and and I'm I'm watching this, and I'm I'm just want to I'm I'm looking at the screen saying, "Don't fall for Christine. She's a thought." Okay, yeah, she's, she's fucking damaged. Carlotta's a hoe. Don't be whipped. Yeah, she she had issues. Like, she's damaged. Real. Yeah. Fuck her. Uh, the red death costume from the masquerade. Mm-hmm. That I put that down. It's hella fresh. Okay, I fucking want it. That skull mask is legit. You should get it and then like record in it while we record. <laughs> we'll do a video. When we do live streams, yeah, I'll, just, like, I'll just like sashay with my red with my red shoulder pads and my cape and And I'll be the phantom and I'll do a pig nose the entire time. <laughs> you'll just, you'll just, your version will be the peewee version where you just use tape to pull your nose yes. up your forehead and yes i will do that don't fuck with me i will do it especially you'll just wine you'll have it. a mask on for 20 minutes and then like your husband will just sneak up behind you take off the mask and you'll be like i'm like bitch no he sees me in the morning that's basically what i look like in the morning you guys so it's like come on come on i don't wear makeup 
you know, just revealing you've got the tape on underneath, like pulling your <laughs> eyes, pulling your eyes open and your nose up. I can't afford Botox, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford, I, I can't even afford a coat hanger to shove up my nose. <laughs> I'm not Lon Chaney. That's fucking he had a crazy. He, he had a gift. I did not. Fuck that. I ain't sticking no fucking coat hanger up my nose. <laughs> Bye. Uh, uh, I uh, my next good, of course, Ledoux, the stage queen. Okay. He he knows this guy likes to strangle, mm-hmm. and when he's walking in the dark, he's like, "You need to beware of nooses." <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's probably not funny, but but nobody could expect trapdoors in the sewer. <laughs> right. And. I, I was wondering, like, why does a secret policeman, why is he, why is he in the opera house? And but then we find out I don't he he wasn't a secret policeman. Like they lied to us. Yeah. He was actually like a, a a Persian guy from like the old country that was following uh, the executioner. Yeah. God. We were lied to. We were lied to. Oh yeah. And uh, my next good, the angry mob is not just like two dozen people, but easily a hundred. They did not cheap out on the extras. That was the most mobbiest mob of all mobs. <laughs> right? I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Oh, man. Oh, we'll, 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 get, we'll get to that because even though I like the amount of people, yeah. I, I have other thoughts on the, on the amount of people. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, my next good is basically, uh, when, as soon as they leave the theaters, Phantom's just like, nice stagecoats. It's mine now. Au revoir, motherfuckers. (laughs) Au revoir. (laughs) I don't know any French, but whatever. Wait, let me ask you something. This was set, this was supposed to be in Paris, right? Yeah, Paris. Okay. Yeah, fuck that place. Anyways. And my final good was fools just dropping into the river when they weren't even close to the edge. Like, we're seeing fuckers either just, like, jumping and cannonballing or being shoved, like, a good a good 12 feet. <clears throat> that was me doing that. I actually tried to see if I could cannonball into a body of water, but I didn't have one close enough so I could kill myself. And then come back to life, though, to do the podcast, because I have to be alive. You tried to cannonball, but it was just a puddle and you broke your tailbone and... It right, we're not week. we're not doing zombie month right now, which we sh- totally <laughs> should. We totally should. <laughs> uh, so now we get to <sighs> le bad, le bad, le 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 plus mal. And uh, Heather draws first el blood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so oh my god, I feel like mine are so fucking petty. Like it's not even. It's it's just me bitching, okay? This guys, sorry. this is your catharsis. This this is my fucking therapist se- uh, session right now. This is like me. I don't have to pay Mike a hundred dollars an hour. I can just bitch for free, right? So the first bad fucking, of course, drove me insane that there was no talking. I literally felt as mad as the phantom i was like i can't like oh my god somebody say something accidentally say something and record it <laughs> because for me like this is i'll be honest with you this is my first silent film like i've never watched a film that didn't have dialogue in it there was no it's like yeah you get the cue cards okay um even the cue cards i was like 
But is that fucking English? Like, what the fuck is thou saying? I don't know. <laughs> I was just like, anyways, okay, so I didn't like that. You knew that. I told you already. It was going to drive me insane. That's my first bad. You better yeah. appreciate the copies of the other films I got for you because some of them were in other languages. Thank you. Like the Golem was originally in German, so I had to find mm. one with English title cards. But they're the, German, the, like they're just really, like they're very expressive, right? Well, we'll find out if their acting is expressive. <laughs> but the, the language doesn't so. mean shit to me. It was, it was just oh, like, well, yeah, we neither. got like a, a 45 letter word and I'm like, <laughs> so he's happy, I guess? Question mark? Anyway, that's so, my first bad, so whatever. I'm bitching. So my, you guys know. My first bad is Raul getting cucked big time. Christine is just willing to pull aside all things for her career, just to have a fucking shot at singing. She, she is. She's putting Raul on the back burner. Mm-hmm. You know, Phantom, he's obviously a narcissist. This guy is just full of himself, but she is yeah. enabling him. She is on board for all of it. I think so. And when she when he shows up in the in her dressing room, she is all over his candy. Like this lady is <laughs> this lady is a fucking user, okay? Yeah. The way she treats Raul, like leads him on, but is willing to discard him for her, for her opportunities, like yeah. hot or cold, pick one. But they couldn't pick. Even back then, they had side pieces, right? <laughs> like, I mean, several of the shots in this movie are side pieces, literally. <laughs> that shit's been happening since the twenties, you guys. Just saying. Oh. Uh. Even the directors are just like, listen, I think we should be seeing other people in in this scene. <laughs> and also, we're gonna keep the, we're gonna keep the gay looking guy, but now he's not Persian anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he's not. You just wake <sighs> up and not be Persian. Uh, so, what's your next bad? All right. So my next bad, and maybe you're probably gonna come at me for this, but all right. So the constant shots of the ballet dancers, right? I felt like, look. I felt like I, w- I was like, wait a minute. This is Phantom of the Opera. So I'm thinking, I know there's no, no sound. But I'm thinking, do the fucking ballet dancers, are they singing but we're not, we don't hear it? Like, I was so confused because I've never seen an opera. So I didn't really understand why it was like constant shots of these like ballet dancers and they're doing the same motherfucking thing the whole time. It's like, I'm like, what? I don't, I don't know. Like, I've never been to an actual opera. So for me, I'm thinking, do they do like a kind of like a play? Like, I don't know. And it just got uh, on my nerves. You'd have to see the original Phantom of the Opera. I, I, I guess think so. It, I, mean, I mean, the Andrew Lloyd Webber Phantom of the mm-hmm. Opera. Because mm-hmm. there is... Uh, some stuff going because it does take place in an opera house, so it does. It yeah. is going to be showing like other opera things. Okay, but I think the reason that oh god, we got we got to do a quick aside. Okay. Why make a movie about an opera, which is about like music, singing, exactly. yes. uh, <clears throat> before you have the technology for sound? Uh, like thank he you. was so desperate to make this movie. They were just like, can you wait about a good like five or six years before so we can actually get some dialogue? 
in this, and he's like, "No, we got to bring the joy of the theater to the mm. uh, to the movie going audience." And I'm like, "But the theater has sound." I know. See that that was that's kind of plays into the second bad because I was just like, "I don't." This know is what's a happening. unique problem. It's a unique Ugh. problem because all the other all the other movies we have, as far as I know, they can be silent because they're mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. But but theaters is like you're bombasted with music and voices and yes. like people are conveying their their emotions through through timber uh, fuck musical things like triplets yes. uh, arpeggios falsettos tenors it's a blending of acoustics and exp- and human emotion yes not being able to have the singing like. I, I I bounce between the two uh, versions, the color version and the uh, the black and white version, because mm-hmm. they were both uh, redone by like Full Moon. Yeah. But the thing is, they use different songs, like well, they see, have different musical accompaniment. That's where it gets confusing because I'm I'm look look I've seen ballets. I my my little niece she she dances or whatever. So late they did like Aladdin for example. They, yes, there was some talking, but they convey their emotions and you know what's going on through the way that they dance. And because you hear the songs play and you can kind of convey the feeling. But in this film, like what we watched, I, like I wish you guys could see me because I can literally reenact the whole scene of the ballet dancers. It's, I, I didn't get it. What are we conveying over? You're just in a line like, Showgirl style, like I, yeah. I don't know what's happening. Wasn't even the opera. It exactly. That's <laughs> why it pissed me off, and that's why it's a bad. Yeah. Bye. My next bad is really they don't hear Raúl banging on the mirror that Christine just walked through. That was okay. You kind of went into a yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Christine, she finally hears from the fandom. Like it goes like. Walk into my world, my angel of music. And she the mirror opens up, she walks in, and then Raul like starts pressing on it. He even banging on it, like you've given up subtlety at this point. And she's standing on the other end of it looking around, yep. like looking at like the wheels and the levers and all the shit that's making everything work. And the phantom talks to her and it's like nobody's hearing Raul on on the other end of that mirror going like boom 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 boom. Hey ma cherie, qu'est-ce que vous? Didn't get it. Have some some escogar. Like, I have no (laughs) idea what the fuck is happening. I I literally wanted to scream because I was so irritated because I was like, I get it. Why didn't we wait to put this film out where you had the technological advances of being like, let's put some dialogue. It could have been a better movie. It actually could have been something good. It really could have been. We... We just don't know what the 30s version would sound would have been like. Oh, God. I mean, it made a million dollars. It made a million dollars, and this was after the original, so. I don't care that it made a million dollars. These people were not woke. They were asleep. (laughs) They were sleeping when they watched this. I'm just saying that, you know, people, considering that they probably saw the original, Mm -hmm. still thought that this was worth seeing again. I don't know. I'm not watching it again. I almost had a, a boo boo, and I almost had to watch it twice. And I no. said, "I'll kill myself." If I if I need this story, <laughs> I'll watch the uh, the '40s version. 
I mean, right? I'd even watch, I, I really do still want to watch the 2004 version because I'm just curious as to how much more sense it will make to me versus watching more of the original stuff. Yeah. Like, plus you get to hear, is it different? Plus you get to hear the, uh, the Andrew Lloyd Webber sound. I have, I, I, that, and I want to hear the emotion. I want to hear the dialogue. I want to understand Christine and the Phantom and Raul. Like, I, I, I need this. Y'all are yeah. fucking me up. Y'all are fucking me up. <laughs> I can't. I talk a lot. I need to hear. Anyways. Uh, so, uh, was that... Which bad are we on? Uh, my bad. Alright. Not like, my bad, my bad, like, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> okay, so, we're gonna go back into the fact that I watched a YouTube version of this film. And so, when I started it, it's like the characters moving was super fucking weird to me. Everything looked like it was being fast forwarded. Just like, it's like if you hold down the fast forward button, you kind of let go of it. Everything <laughs> seemed very fast paced, but not fast paced at all. Because the movie yeah. felt like it was three hours long, but it was an hour and what, 35 <laughs> minutes. I was, I was like, oh my God. If I, I should have videoed me watching it for you. Yeah, so, I, I've oh seen God, so lots bad. of silent films like the old Laurel and Hardy comedy serials so and other things. The, one thing they do is uh, it's time-lapsed where it seems to be like uh, playing at go. like 20, 20 yeah. or 18 frames a second. There you go, time-lapse. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yes. Or it's shot at 20 frames a second. So when it's playing, everyone seems to be like zipping all over the place. I know. I felt like every scene was so fast that I literally got confused because I said, what's happening? Wait a minute. Where, where did he go? Anyways. I guess I just, they were worried about the audience being bored if people are just like walking around casually. Um, I would have rather that <laughs> than, than doing this because then it felt like so it just looked silly to me. It looked silly. Maybe it was just like because they were hand cranked. Yeah. They maybe for the exposures they just couldn't be consistent. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know either. We weren't alive then. We have no idea. They managed to they managed to uh, fix it by the time they got to, into the talkies. Because I, I think <laughs> in the talkies, because they couldn't zip it, they couldn't have people zipping around. Yeah. And it wouldn't match the audio anymore. Yeah. So I guess because people had conversational audio to uh, to move to go along with, they were able to pair that with the action. So they were able to uh, achieve a more, more consistent uh, frame rate. Okay. Well, then my bad is still my bad. Oh, it's it's definitely valid. Like people <laughs> people are zipping around like everyone yeah, like everyone crazy. at the opera house is <laughs> everyone at the opera house is on coke. I thought it was just me, and I didn't message you about this because I said, wait a minute, it's just me being nitpicky. I'm, but now that you you know what I'm saying, like, you get it. Like, I, I was like, oh, yeah. slow the fuck down, bitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slow you see, down. You, you see enough, like, silent films, like the old shorts, like the old Lola and Hardy uh, shorts. Uh, some of them still hold up. I mean, like, yeah. those two, those two Lola and Hardy fucking geniuses. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely understandable. Okay, okay, good. My next bad is Christine takes way too long to figure out he's the Phantom and gets, like, I don't know, extreme vapors. Yes. Yes. Like, 
and I'm just going to throw in my other bad for Christine. Mm-hmm. Like, Phantom may be an incel, no doubt, but Christine is a pathological liar and an utter imbecile. Like, I just, I fucking hate Christine. Like, this no, is supposed to be I, our antagonist, our hero. I get it. I get it. Or she, would she be the protagonist? Protagonist, because he's yeah. the antagonist. Because Phantom is, yes. Phantom's supposed to be the antagonist, but yeah, he's like yeah. a fucking victim. I know, because she was such a cunt rag. Like, <laughs> literally, like, I hate you, because you're so stupid. And I agree with you on that. Did, did it really take you that long to figure out that he was the Phantom? Like, what are you not understanding? Like, he's like all this time he's been speaking to you through the walls. Exactly. And saying, like, I'm going to give opportunities to you. I'm going to pave the way for your success. Um, and then people around you started getting chandeliers and fucking sandbags dropped on them. And you're just, like, it? not making the connection. She's a fucking idiot. She's dead anyway, so it doesn't matter. She can't hear us talking shit about her. It's fine. It's fine. I, I I I agree with that. I was just like, are you serious right now? Like, why are you so stupid? <laughs> like, I hated her. Just saying. Okay, so what's your next bad? So this might be my last bad because I'll be honest, the entire film I hate it. And I know I'm being I'm I'm being a bitch. Like I get it. Like whatever, okay? I just this isn't my thing. This film, not the podcasting. So I got, now, I, now I'm watching it, right? I'm trying my best to understand what's going on. I literally had no fucking clue what the hell was going on. I felt like the, the plot was not thick enough for me. Like there was not enough like substance because we're going back and forth constantly, right? There's no talking. So for me, that probably didn't help the fact that I don't really get what's happening and it's just like, okay, I get what's happening, but, like, none of it's making any sense to me. Like, I'm, I'm trying my best to be like, <laughs> how can I sound intelligent? How can I understand this? But I fucking can't. Well, now we know it's not your fault because this is three movies put together so by eight by eight, eight writers and 12 directors. They should have kept with one scheme. You and 12 Lords of Leaping. Thing. You, <laughs> Eleven Pipers piping. <laughs> Keep with one fucking thing. Stop confusing your audience because I have never watched a movie, at least not that I know of, that ha- that has had nine people. Like, are you serious? This is why you made this this bullshit. That's what I'm gonna say. Bullshit. Bye, y'all. Bullshit. Oh yeah, this thing was a fucking utter they disaster to make. They messed up what could have been. And actually, I could rewrite it for you. I can tell you right now, I could have made it so so much more heartwarming and other people did. Yeah, but I could have, and nobody watched my version. Yeah, the oh shit, I'd watch your version. Well, I know. (laughs) It's like I can make it emotional where it had some thought, and you actually felt like you were in the you know in the movie. I I, I may not have you on the episode when I talk about it because I don't usually like to point out the pads. While the creator <laughs> is in the same room with me. Right? <laughs> They're all dead. It doesn't matter, Mike. The people that did this, we don't care. It's fine. No, but if We're I was reviewing to. your version, I wouldn't be like, so oh, one thing well, I noticed, the directing, what the fuck happened here? This person obviously no. never held the camera. Dude, Look at don't these be angles. scared. Don't be scared. Don't be Meanwhile, scared. you're in the other end going like, 
Okay, let's. We need the good okay. wine now. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Say say what you want to say. Say how you feel. <laughs> but anyway, as far as bads go, again, it was hard for me to pick out like specific bads because I just didn't get it, I, and I feel like. I feel kind of almost stupid because I'm like, I didn't get it. Well, this thing, well, the people making this movie didn't get it. That's why they had to keep, they had, they they restarted this movie twice Mm -hmm. during its production. So they're stupid. They're more stupid than I am then. So take heart, (laughs) take heart. It's not you. Yeah. Okay, good. I feel better now. I'm, I'm fine. So, uh, my next bad, uh, don't trust her phantom. She's only playing you to save Raul. Fuck her. Yep. Uh, another bad, uh, the rap sheet for Eric that we see. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a little Dewey Decimal Index card at the library. Stupid. Oh, <laughs> it's everything about this card is fucking terrible. Like, it, I've never seen so much in one frame. That inspired like a fucking paragraph of anger from me. It's so stupid. See, I wish we had a stupid section, right? Then it would be <laughs> like, oh, well, we could. Oh. Well, that's what the what the fucks kind of are. Well, yeah, true, they are. So the rap sheet for Eric. Okay. First off, this doesn't look like an actual rap sheet or, yeah. or like an actual file with like you know a, a table on it with. Uh, you know, index lines like birth, blah, 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 location, blah, yeah. blah, blah. <coughs> this was just like some fucking cliff notes on a post-it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it says, born during the Boulevard Massacre. Okay. Okay, big fucking deal. I was born during the return of the Soyuz T-1 rocket, okay? <laughs> that doesn't mean any fucking thing. Yeah, I, I I didn't get it. Hey, Mike was Mike was born in Ottawa, and the Russians finally returned their fucking Soyuz transport. Great! It's been a really fucking great March twenty fifth. <laughs> oh man! Next next line, master of black art. That's what it says. Master of black art, not uh. the black arts, as in dark magic. Yes. So does this mean that he's like an expert on Candyman, the work of, the you know, was he an expert on the works of Alexandre Dumas, the black man who wrote The Three Musketeers? No, he wasn't. He wasn't. (laughs) What black artist is he a master of? None. He just Uh, lied. It says, exile to Devil's (laughs) Island for criminal insane. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. It doesn't even have the fucking charge. Was it murder? Was was he exposing himself? What the fuck did he do to get sent to Devil's Island? And I mean, like I, I, I would I love don't to know. see. I, don't I would know. love. To, I would love to see Devil's Island. That's a movie right there. This would be like the twenties version of Shutter Island. Yes, yes. Where it's just like an island asylum with fucking lunatics. That's I a movie. That movie. I love that movie though. By the way, it's a really good movie. It has a lot of great twists in it. Though I figured it out from the beginning, but anyways. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, it doesn't even have to charge. The biggest fuck you to writing, there's no last name. Mm-mm. He's just Eric. They know Eric. when... They know... They know that he was born during a fucking riot. 
they they know exactly when and where he was born, but they don't know who birthed or raised him. This is some fucking dumb, dumb writing. Wait a minute. It wasn't Eric Hyde, was it? <laughs> Love you, Eric. Shout out to you. <laughs> you knew I you know I'm gonna call his ass out. Now you know why he has the beard. Right? He's tricking us. Oh, I can't wait to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> that one's for you, Eric. There you go, Eric. Love you. Uh, and my last bad, the Phantom has been harassing the stage for years. Yes. He he's even dropped a chandelier on a dozen people. What the but, fuck? Oh, but <laughs> only when he kills Joseph the stagehand yes. does the entire population of Paris lose their fucking shit enough to storm the sewers. Oh my god. What life did Joseph the stagehand lead to be so loved by literally hundreds of people that wouldn't even <laughs> mourn him but fucking grab their torches and jump into a fucking sewer and then chase a carriage along a river. I... <laughs> How loved was this man? Why wasn't he the lead? To go? Why wasn't this his story? I don't know. A city was willing to kill one person for this guy. So it's... We don't even see his face. We just see his shadow dangling from a rope. And yet this was the fucking... This was like the Jesus of Paris. But this is the thing. The nine writers, right? The nine people involved. You can't have that many people in a movie and expect to have a solitary plot. Like, there's... <laughs> how Because it has agree? nothing to do with him. The original, <laughs> the original plot was Joseph the stagehand does not matter. And the phantom dies from a kiss. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, then some guy just thought, how about a mob kills him? I'm going to film myself later dying from a kiss. Watch. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> oh my god. I just can't. I can't. I need a Xanax and a drink. Okay? Both of them. Uh, so, now we got what the fucks. Because, of course, this movie's got what the fucks. Oh, this whole movie is a what the fuck, if you ask me. Not that you did. <laughs> <laughs> my first what the fuck. How did he get a horse in the sewers? I don't... That was, and wh- I, I was where did it go? He walked down a ramp that led to a boat, and yet the horse walks off to the side. It doesn't even go back up the ramp. It just exits stage left. I was so confused by that, too, Mike. I was like, are you... Why? I want to have, like, a why question mark times infinity. How does the horse see? (laughs) Oh, my God. You guys, I'm making so many sounds, and I'm so sorry, but, like, this makes no fucking sense at all. The horse needs sunlight. What's he eating? He doesn't have a feed bag. Phantom's mask? I don't know. What is he eating? <laughs> the oh, Phantom's shit. original face. <laughs> His original face before he got... It's just hanging wait. in the stable like a salt lick. He was like Lady Gaga. I was born this way. No, you weren't, actually. We don't know if you were born this way or if you got acid thrown in your face or a fire. We don't know. Fire ants, we don't know. Fire ants. Yeah. I mean, from the original version, he was just eaten by ants in Persia. I don't... (sighs) And he was an executioner. I don't... I'm making noises now. Because I don't like the fact that they couldn't stick to one story. 
Like, let's just, you know what would have made more sense is to have the Phantom actually be normal, right? He was a normal guy, face looked fine, and then he had a tragic accident. That, to me, is more endearing. That's more like, oh, the, the Christine falls in love with him because she knows what kind of good person he is. He just got disfigured. It, it, why do we have... Uh, anyways, sorry, you guys. I'm just... I can't. I cannot. <laughs> We're going to rewrite this movie. I'm telling you. It needs a rewrite. 2022. <laughs> uh, hmm. So what's your... Do you have any what the fucks? Oh, I got a couple. Yes, I do. I know you should have known. Okay. So when I first saw the Phantom's actual face, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I see why you wear the mask. Because he looked like a fucking pig. I get it. He did his own makeup. That's super creative. But like, at the same time, I'm like, wait a minute. You look like a pig. But I thought he was going to be way more grossly disfigured. So maybe my what the fuck is kind of a hmm? Because I thought he would be like really deformed. But he just looked like a fucking pig with black eyes. You can work with that. You can work with that. Come on, guys. You can work with that. Just like bad teeth. You can work with it. You can fix it. Plastic surgery. <laughs> but I'm just like, what they the didn't fuck even have plastic back. They didn't even have plastic back then. Oh, well, fuck. I didn't know that. See? Fun facts from Mike. <laughs> Heather didn't know shit. <laughs> Why didn't they have plastic? Are you being serious or are you just saying that to me? No, plastics were like, uh, when the sec, when were plastic, when was plastic first made? Mm-hmm. Shit, I thought they had that shit back then. I mean, he's, no. using, he's using like Joan Crawford's wire hanger. 1907. The first oh. synthetic plastic was made in 1907, okay, and this takes place so, in the 1800s. Okay. Anyway, bye. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. His face was disgusting and what the fuck and scary, but at the same time, it was a what the fuck in the sense of like, I thought he was going to be far more terrifying. Like, just put a bag over his head. It's fine, Christine. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you're bitching for nothing. You love him anyways. Bye. Because she did. <laughs> uh, so, my next bad, or what the fuck, uh, his lair. How did he get that queen-size bed in I there? I mean, I cat- catacombs are one thing. Floating the parts down the river of shit in the sewer is another. Like, yeah. like that mattress and frame can't clear those doors. He no. needed a fucking crew to move this shit in. I couldn't even get my bed through my door, okay? Like, in my home. Like, we had to break it apart to bring it in, so come on. And plus, in the in that room, you're in the sewers. You're right next to, like, all that water. It's going to get musty in there. It doesn't matter how nice it is. It's going to look fucking it's nasty. soggy. Yes, disgusting. Like, gross. Ugh. I'm too bougie for this. <laughs> he was not bougie, apparently. He's like the phantom of the fucking opera. You think he'd be super bougie, but he's like a sewer rat, okay, with a pig yeah. nose. Anyways. So what's your next one? Okay, so basically, and I'm sorry if any of you guys live in Paris or have gone to Paris, but fuck Paris. 
Like that's my what the fuck fuck bears. <laughs> I, I don't want. I don't want to go there. I heard the French are assholes anyway. That's what I've always heard. Like I don't want to go there. And after watching this movie, I'm like, Mm-mm. I don't want to go there. Like if somebody was like Heather, you have one trip. You can take it anywhere. Um, it's not fucking Paris. Bye. No, fuck that shit. <laughs> I ain't going there. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Not there. Fuck, like fuck this shit and the opera and the ballet dancers. Fuck all of them. I hope y'all got paid well. Uh, my next what the fuck? Well, we know what the fuck, but it was the uh, the messenger in the shadows mm-hmm. that like just shows up for a second as a glowing face and warns the the cop and Raul to like turn back. Oh, it's wow. like we we've never seen Eric have buddies. So who the fuck is this guy just roaming the sewers? Like maybe he's the guy that helped him move the furniture in. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have any more what the fucks? Um, my last what the fuck is actually a complete insult to this entire film, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Fuck this movie. The whole thing was just beyond boring. And I'm pretty sure that I turned into the Phantom of the Operas about five times, like, when I was watching it. Like, I kept thinking, like, if my husband comes home, could I look that way? Could I put a mask over me? And that'd be a more entertaining movie. I just, look, this is the thing. I get why people like it. I'm trying to understand, right? I get why people like it. But for me, it's, Randy Jackson said it best. It's a no for me, dog. No. I just, I didn't get it. I'm not woke enough to understand. <laughs> like, I don't understand. What's the point? Bye. That's uh, another what the fuck for me? How did this guy's security system work? Because we see, like, basically like a cuckoo clock with paddles to let him know, oh, someone, someone's walking around. It's like, yeah. How was it? Tripwires? Did he have like a dodo bird going like, ah, it's a living? Like, what? I don't know. They did. This is utter stupid. It's dumb dumbness. It is. It, it would have been, one thing that would have been nice if we could see Raul's brother being uh, killed by the Phantom while the Phantom has his breathing tube. Like, they must have had like some way to film <laughs> an underwater shot. Because that would have been good. To see Raul's brother, like, get dragged and held underwater by the Phantom, who's got, like, the breathing tube in his mouth, so he's fine. So he just gets him in a headlock, and and then we see, like, the bubbles, and then he, like, floats up. That would have been good. That would have been interesting, for sure. And my final, what the fuck? What generated the heat in the the mirror chamber? He just presses a button, (laughs) everyone just starts taking off their shirts, and they're all, like, sweaty. It's like, <laughs> what? Was this sewer under a volcano? Where did the heat come from? Um, I wanted to take my shirt off during this because my pits were getting hot because I was getting upset. <laughs> you know how my pits get hot? I can't help it. It's like a weird thing. And when I get nervous or like something like that happens, I'm like, oh, oh I'm fanning my pits. This whole movie was my pits. It was my armpits. Thank you. I can't. I can't. I can't. And now we take it to the kill of the week. And my kill is going to be the Phantom's last big fake out. When he's surrounded by everyone and he puts, he reaches into his cloak, holds out his hand with a fist. Like he's holding a grenade or something. 
Yeah. But then he opens his hand and like just just like pans it around the audience like psych. Like he was a performer to the end. He was. And that's a good kill. But look, I'm going to be honest with you. I had to look it up again even though I watched the film. I was like I'm super confused. So I wanted to give it to Christine because wasn't she killed in the film? No. Okay, she wasn't, but that's not what I actually read. So, I thought that she actually died, like, by accident, because what I read was that she was killed. Like, it was like an accident. It was like, oh, we didn't mean to kill Christine. But the kill of the week goes to me. R.I.P. Heather. (laughs) Because I really thought Christine died for some reason. Like, I, I watched it, and I was like, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. Wait, I have to look this up. I looked it up, and I'm trying to find some information on it, and I was like, so Christine does die, but you're saying she doesn't in this version, so apparently she does die at some point? I don't think so. I don't think there's any version where she dies, at least it would be a surprise to me. Google lied. Let me just (laughs) let y'all know, don't use Google for your references then, but I, I actually, okay, like the Phantom, like, yeah, bye. I thank God you're dead. I don't even care. I died. I came back to life, though. You guys, it's crazy. It's a miracle. It's a Jesus miracle. I came back. I'm here. Bye. <laughs> I'm over it. Sorry. I would uh, rather watch. I would rather watch House Shark or Ghost Shark again. <laughs> you know you're laughing because we did those. I will. I will watch this again. Oh, no, no. Yes, <laughs> Please I be will. kind to yourself. Watch something else. <laughs> Watch the Andrew Lloyd Webber one. Uh, I'll try it out. I'll uh, try it out. So, now we'll take it to the rating. And I'm going to give this three dangling stagehands out of five. Because oh, Lon Chaney's makeup and performance was exhilarating. The scenery and the costumes were knockout. Or they were knockouts. And... Uh, <coughs> My last good I'll say about it is I can appreciate it being a spectacle of its time. Yeah. It pushed the medium of films forward as far as, you know, production values, if only they could work on production quality. Well, yeah, for sure. As well as its immeasurable contribution to horror, both as a genre and even with that face. Although the movie did have lots of padding and I hated Christine. If you hate the hero more than the villain, you fucking failed in terms of writing. And they state that he's an expert in in witchcraft, like black magic. But his traps aren't magic, they're just mechanisms. Where's the fucking magic we got promised? And that damn rap sheet. Yeah. So, I mean, if it wasn't for the excellent makeup... And the contributions to the genre. This would be like a two. Hmm. You are so sweet. Let me just point that out for everybody that doesn't know Mike. Uh, Mike, you're very nice. <laughs> hmm. Far nicer than Heather. Because <laughs> I gave it zero passports out of five. <laughs> I didn't like it. I tried to... Look, I went into it and I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm not going to be negative. Like, I'm just going to watch it. But I, we have watched some crazy shit on the show. We have, we have watched stuff that's like, 
what it's not even be titled. It's just like ridiculous. But at least there was some entertainment. There's some stupid shit that happens. There's talking. I like to talk. I like to coffee talk. Okay, we're <laughs> look. I cannot with that. So it gets a zero for me. I will not rewatch it. Don't make me ever, ever. We're done. We did it. Heather did a good job too. I tried my best. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> well, we've got we got three more silent films. One, I mean, uh-huh. I'd be I'd be surprised if you didn't like the Nosferatu because it's. I mean, it was the first vampire movie, so I know, I know. It it, it really inspired everything, and ah. Uh, but well, you know, we'll see. This we'll will see. be this will be a surprise, at least for me as well, when we review the Golem and the Cabinet of yes. Doctor Caligari. That sounds so fancy. It's like so fancy. Like that's what it sounds like to me. So I don't know, but we're gonna we're gonna watch them, and I'm going to hope and pray to all the gods and everything else that I like them. <laughs> that I like these movies because this one. I am not rewatching it. I'm scared for my soul. Like I cannot do it again. <laughs> love uh, you though, but not love this movie. Like fucking forget it. And you still showed up. So Heather, you I are, showed you, up. You are a podcast goddess. I look, I look, I love doing podcasts. I love talking shit. I mean I look, I talk shit about movies I actually like, right? I that's what I do. But yeah. this one is just not a I see where you got your goods at. I can I can appreciate the fact that you were like able to get into certain aspects, but for me, I just was like I almost started crying at one point because I was like, <laughs> somebody say something, <laughs> say something. I'm giving up on you. That was me the whole time. I'm singing now, so you guys know it's about time to end this shit because Heather's singing. Stop. <laughs> Now it's time for us to be silent. Silence. (laughs) Uh, So, thank you for listening, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode, the ample trivia, and our our dying enthusiasm. Yes. For this movie. (laughs) From its its tepid goods to its, (laughs) well, everything. But at least because of the trivia... We yes. understand why it turned out this way. It could have been better. Oh, for sure. It, 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 a hundred times better. And I have 15 different storylines in my head right now. <laughs> could have been better. You guys ruined it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but uh, until next time, I'm Mike. And I'm Heather. And thank you for joining us on The Graveyard Shift. The Graveyard Shift is a Strange Biscuits production. Visit our website at strangebiscuits.com slash graveyardshift to hear all of our previous episodes. Subscribe to us, rate, and review us on CastBox, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and Spotify. And don't forget to check out our Instagram at The Graveyard Shift Pod, as well as our Facebook at The Graveyard Shift Pod. Our Twitter is GS underscore Horror Pod. And if you wish to support the show financially, visit us at patreon.com slash graveyard. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support the show and get bonus content. The theme for The Graveyard Shift is As Brutal As It Ever Was by Technoaxe. 
visit their website at technoaxe.com and their YouTube channel for more royalty-free music. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay spooky. Ha 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 